Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. You might wonder why the title of today's episode is Training Camp Zero, because you'll be like, Bruce, it's not training camp. There were OTAs, and now we're in the middle of minicamps. But isn't that really what minicamps are? They're training camp zero. They're diet training camp. It's like training camp, only no calories. And I'm going to elaborate on that metaphor more than a few times over the course of today's episode. You know, my wife and I have been going back and getting her caught up on some of the classic movies that she missed while she was popular when she was younger. Because those of us who were not got a chance to spend a lot of time by ourselves. And because of that, we got a chance to watch a lot of movies. So some of the classics of American film I have seen. Things like Casablanca. I have seen Bridge Over River Kwai. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Gone with the Wind. I have seen some of these classics. And recently we were working our way through 1980s films. She absolutely loved Top Gun. Absolutely loved it. Liked Breakfast Club. Was a fan. Didn't really like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I got to be honest with you, it doesn't really hold up that well. When you go back and watch it, I don't think it holds up that well. It's just not that entertaining. And at the end of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and at the beginning of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the titular character played by Matthew Broderick says, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop around and look once in a while, you could miss it. The reason I bring that up is because it feels like that quote, even if taken from a movie that I don't really think is that good, applies to the spring and summer practices for your favorite NFL team. They do move pretty fast. You spend the entire offseason waiting for what you individually will consider to be, quote-unquote, real football. For some people, that's rookie minicamp. And for some people, that's OTAs. For some people, it's minicamp. For some people, it's training camp. For some people, it's preseason. For some people, it's not until the regular season. But whatever your definition of real football is, if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it but the people i'm talking to in this podcast are super fans they absolutely look around once in a while i've said it before you don't listen to my show unless you're a super fan when it comes to football only the most devoted football and buffalo bills fans actually listen to football podcasts it's not really a casual hobby and you probably are looking around But you need to be looking around at the right thing because a lot of information is going to get thrown at you all the time, day after day. 
And if you live and die by every blurb that is written in the observation column of a Buffalo Bills beat reporter, you're going to be in for an emotional roller coaster. So that's one of the things we're going to talk about today, because you're not really in danger of missing it. Like Ferris Bueller said, you might be in danger of missing the forest for the trees, though. So I have a couple things on minicamp, OTA, training camp observations that I want to talk about. The first thing is this. Take them in the aggregate, horizontally and vertically. And what I mean by take them in the aggregate, horizontally and vertically, is you should read the observation articles that are put out every day by the beat reporters who are on site for the Buffalo Bills. You should do that. But don't miss the forest for the trees. One day is one day. Things matter when they are observed by multiple people over multiple days. That's when it matters the most. If one person notes that Marquez Stevenson is having drop issues one day, it's just a random data point. That's all it is. If multiple people Note that Marquez Stevenson is having drop issues multiple days. Now it is in the aggregate, both horizontally and vertically, horizontally across the timeline and vertically across the observer base. This is when it matters more. You've always heard me talk about sample size. Always. This is an example of that sample size in regards to days and sample size in regards to observers. Because otherwise you get taken for a roller coaster. One day you'll comment on Matt Perino, Syracuse.com's observations and go, oh no, oh no. He said OJ Howard didn't look good. What are we going to do? And the next day he could make two spectacular catches and you'll be right back. Don't go on the roller coaster. The best way to avoid the emotional roller coaster is to choose not to get on board. It's not to get on board and then try and manipulate it. You can't. You can't. You're on the track. Choose not to get on. It's a little bit like monitoring a line graph. If you monitor a line graph, the farther it is you step back from the line graph, the more it really matters as far as trends go. But if you take the line graph and you move it all the way up to your eyeball, now all of a sudden it's going to look very, very extreme, especially when you look at things over long periods of time. Say you were to take the Dow Jones Industrial over the last 50 years and you put it on a gigantic line graph and you put your head all the way in where you were only looking at a small period of time. It's going to look crazy. But the farther you step back, the more consistent it appears because you've granted yourself perspective. So make sure that you're paying attention to observations, both horizontally and vertically when it comes to the aggregate. The second thing, there are certain things that observers are not allowed to tell you, but you can figure it out if you're bothered to stop looking at the ball in the videos. So when practice clips are shown, you can get an idea for the way that the offensive line is currently constructed. Who's playing what? Even though 
the person who is videoing it might not be able to tell you. You can get an idea. But we're all too busy looking at that awesome spiral that Josh Allen threw that we don't actually get the really good piece of data. Instead, we get the really cool ball, which is awesome. But if you actually want the data, slow down and stop the video. So that's the second thing when it comes to minicamp OTA training camp observations. The third thing is listen to the press conferences for things that appear out of the ordinary. Sean McDermott has been with his team since 2017. We know what he sounds like now. We know how he acts. We know how he behaves in press conferences. The things that matter in press conferences are things out of the ordinary. Specific words, specific phrases, specific tones that exist outside of the normal standard deviation of Sean McDermott behavior. When he says something like, they really need to be impact players, that's a challenge. That matters. That matters. A lot of the other stuff that Sean McDermott says means literally nothing. In fact, I would argue the majority of what Sean McDermott says means absolutely nothing. But the outliers matter. So search for outliers. So we have consume the observations and care about sample size when it comes to the aggregate of horizontal and vertical observations. Then we have pay attention to the videos for more than just the ball that Josh Allen's throwing. And the third thing is watch the press conferences, but look for outliers and don't hang on every word. All of this revolves around not taking the roller coaster. Don't take it. Don't hang on every word in a press conference and don't hang on every blurb from an observation column. That's right. I got them to rhyme word and blurb, blah, 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 blurb, 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 blurbs the word. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to tell you what I've got my eye on in these spring and summer practices. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. So we went over some guidelines for what you're training your eyes and brain to do when you're consuming content for off-season practices. I will tell you where my eyes are. I'll tell you what I'm looking at specifically. Now, these aren't the only things I'm looking at, but I will tell you that I have a predisposition to searching out content in regards to these specific things for the Buffalo Bills in 2022. First one, wide receiver six. Khalil Shakir, Isaiah McKenzie, Marcus Stevenson, Jake Kumaro. Tavon Austin. Tavon Austin's been turning some heads. When I have multiple people post a video of Tavon Austin with the caption, hey, he's really been impressing in a short time. I have now accumulated that information vertically. Now I'm going to be looking for that information to be accumulated horizontally over days. I'm going to be checking back in. Is he still looking good? Is he still looking good? Because I counted at least three different individual observers who said, man, Tavon Austin's looking pretty good. Okay, well, that's awesome. Let's see if that keeps up. I've got the vertical. I need the horizontal. Because I keep thinking the Bills are going to keep seven. 
and they never do. So wide receiver six, wide receiver five, this is what I care about. Isaiah Hodgins is in there, but I think maybe this might be the end of the line for Isaiah Hodgins. I'm not sure that Jake Kumro is in danger, but do they view Isaiah McKenzie and Tavon Austin as redundant? Do they view Tavon Austin as being a player who can do the gadget stuff, but also give them more security when it comes to the return game? I don't know. But all of a sudden, the six receivers that I thought I was really comfortable with got changed a little bit. And so that's where my eyes are. Running back four, I have my eyes on. Because I do think that the top two are pretty much locked in at Singletary and James Cook. But that means we have two spots now. Moss, Duke Johnson, Taiwan Jones. Blackshear was seen returning punts. Is he a sneaky candidate to be RB4? Taiwan Jones has historically been one of this team's gunners. Can you find a gunner in a different spot? And then Zach Moss becomes RB3. Do they keep four and make somebody inactive on game day? That's where my eyes are. I want to see Moss, Duke Johnson, Taiwan Jones, Blackshear. I want to see that spot. RB4. How about IOL4? Interior offensive lineman four. I think the addition of Van Roten changes this a little bit. Van Roten, Greg Mans, Cody Ford. If Ike Butker wasn't hurt, this would be real interesting really fast. And we already know that the person who doesn't make IOL 4, IOL 5 very well might get traded for a day three pick. So does that factor in? The fact that you have players on your team like Van Roten who have started 50 games, does that matter when push comes to shove? Do you think, okay, Greg Manns and Van Roten, they're close, but I can get a pick for Van Roten and I can't get one for Manns. Does that matter? That's one of the things I'm keeping my eye on. Tight end three. OJ Howard, Dawson Knox, tight end two, tight end one, probably. Quentin Morris, Tommy Sweeney, Jalen Weidermeyer. Jalen Weidermeyer thought very highly coming into this class. And then all of a sudden, the combine happened. He ran terribly, showed really bad testing numbers. Absolutely bottomed out, undrafted. And he wasn't a good enough blocker to have stuff like that pop up. So then you think, okay, what are we going to do with the guy? If he can't win vertically... Is he just going to be a zone sitter? Am I really willing to have a rosterable tight end who doesn't block all that well, can't threaten the seam, basically just sits down in zone? Do I really want that? I can get that anywhere, right? Can't separate from man coverage. But now tight end three, you think, okay, he's, he's competing with Tommy Sweeney. Has Tommy Sweeney done something in his time here to make you think he should be a lock? Quentin Morris isn't new to this team. He was on the practice squad all last year. Actually got elevated for the Jacksonville Jaguars game. So tight end three is something I'm keeping my eye on. How about linebacker five? Going into the draft, we said, okay, are we cool with Tyrell Dodson, Tyler Matikiewicz, Joe Giles Harris as the three? Well, then they added Balen Spector, 
and they added a third round pick. Now all of a sudden that looks different because you assume Bernard is going to be linebacker three, which means now you've got Dodson, Joe Giles Harris, Matikavich, Balen Spector. You got four people fighting for two spots. So LB5 is something I'm keeping my eye on. Mostly because I feel strongly that after Andre Smith got suspended, this could look a little different than it did the last time I talked about this. You might think to yourself, Bruce, this conversation sounds a little bit similar to your original 53-man roster projection conversation. And it does. But stuff has changed since then. The addition of Tavon Austin changes the math. The addition of Greg Van Roten changes the math. The suspension of Andre Smith changes the math since the last time we talked. So as I go through these things, wide receiver 6, RB4, IOL4, tight end 3, LB5, I'm looking for the three things we talked about in the opening segment to this show. I'm looking for observations vertically and horizontally over significant sample size. I am looking for who they're playing with. I'm trying to pause the video and do the thing where you see it in every single 1990s movie and it's ridiculous. There's some computer hacker furiously typing on his keyboard as if somehow that's what computer hacking looks like. And someone's standing over their shoulder go, hey, what is that? Enhance, enhance. Like that's a real thing. We're just going to change the resolution of photos on the fly in 1996. That's what I'm doing on the videos. And I'm also looking for specific comments outside the ordinary about specific players that fall into these categories from Sean McDermott, from Ken Dorsey, from Leslie Frazier, from position coaches. So the first segment of this pod was the things that I'm looking for in a macro sense when it comes to observations. And then the second half of this podcast is the specific players and position battles I am looking for information on by utilizing the techniques outlined in the first section of this podcast. So that's the way I'm approaching minicamp, OTAs, and training camp. We've got an email to get to, specifically about my comp for Josh Allen not too long ago. Trevor sends me an email and says, Bruce, Good evening. I hope this email finds you and your family well and that you're enjoying the start of the summer. Every year, I find myself catching up on my football podcast earlier and earlier. I would start in mid-August now that we're here in early June, largely due to the quality of the discussion you bring. I learned so much from your podcast, and I'm truly grateful for it. Needed to get that in there. Thank you, Trevor. Now, my question. If I remember correctly, when we first drafted Josh Allen or shortly after his first season, I think you comped his ceiling to Donovan McNabb, which at the time I was thrilled to hear. Now, fast forward to a couple MVP caliber seasons and unprecedented growth. I was curious as to what your comp for him now may be. If I am completely wrong on my memory of your comp to McNabb, please disregard this email entirely and enjoy a picture of my pup, Benny. Yes, named after Michigan legend Benny Oosterbaan. Sorry, Mrs. Nolan, it's Go Blue here, and I was present for the game in November. I wish you and Mrs. Nolan all the best. He did send me a picture of his puppy, Benny, along with the victory of his own Michigan Wolverines against my The Ohio State Buckeyes. And you are correct, Trevor. My initial ceiling comp for Josh Allen was Donovan McNabb. 
I say ceiling because my floor comp for Josh Allen, worst case scenario, was John Skelton, former Fordham quarterback. So that was my ceiling and my floor for the quarterback. And if ever there was a swing, it's Donovan McNabb to John Skelton. Now, looking back on that, I feel reasonable about that comp and the possible scenarios ranging from Donovan McNabb to John Skelton. The only modification I would make to the comparison is I would specify a year of Donovan McNabb. Specifically, 2004 Donovan McNabb. 2004 Donovan McNabb was fourth in the NFL in passer rating, third in the NFL in average yards per attempt, and went to a Super Bowl with the help of Terrell Owens. So the comp that I would use would be a specific year of Donovan McNabb's career, which most people would say was the best year of Donovan McNabb's career. That would track for me as a reasonable comp for the type of Josh Allen we are currently seeing. Now, obviously, the volume stats are going to be different because that was 18 years ago. But Donovan McNabb was the leader of a dynamic offense with an impressive downfield passing game revolving around what I believe to be one of the greatest receivers of all time in Terrell Owens. Stephon Diggs is really, really good. Josh Allen has been top five in a lot of these metrics. Donovan McNabb was one of the best quarterbacks in football that year. Over the last two years combined, Josh Allen has been one of the best quarterbacks in football. So I'd stick with the Donovan McNabb comp, but I would specify a year of Donovan McNabb because now you're not dealing with Washington football team Donovan McNabb. You're dealing with 2004 bombing the ball to Terrell Owens going to the Super Bowl Donovan McNabb. As long as we don't get throwing up in the huddle Donovan McNabb, I still feel completely fine with that comp. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings.